Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. This episode of the Flushman Dustin Podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready. Reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the U.S. of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable, highly versatile, and ultra-light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out Hunt Ready at H-U-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. That's HuntReady.com. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushing and Dustin podcast. Uh, it's Tyler here, and we got Nick on the other end as well. Good so, evening. Good evening. We are uh, speaking with Spencer from all the way out in Arizona. Uh, he is known as the AZ Quail Adventures. Um, you can find him on Instagram. So he uh, is based out of Arizona. Uh, he likes the Merns Quail as well as the Gambles and Squit Scaled Quail. So, geez, that was a tongue twister trying to say all that together. But we're excited to bring uh, Spencer on to talk about uh, Arizona and uh, whatnot. So, Spencer, if you could uh, introduce yourself, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on first. I certainly appreciate it. As I kind of mentioned before, I'm kind of a, a small fish in a big pond out here. But it's certainly fun to be noticed and, and uh, to be on a, a podcast like yours. I really enjoy your guys' show. Um, just a little bit about me, I guess. Uh, for the last three years, I've run AZ Quail Adventures Guide Service. Um, we kind of specialize in running, you know, running um, just just specifically Arizona quail. Um, I I think I've decided that I'm gonna to kind of step away from guiding for a couple of years, though. Um, that's a lot of fun, but I just I like to hunt and chase my own dogs. I think a little bit a little bit more. So, so yeah, absolutely, I hear that. So it's, it's um, great to see people be successful, kind of, but I mean, you got to follow your passions too. Yeah, well, it's one of those where you know you I have a regular job, my you know that yep. I I need to make sure that I'm doing, and I kind of moonlighted as a guide, and it was it was fun, but it got to a point where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's worth if it's worth doing that anymore. I, I have a, I have a true passion for bird dogs and I, I, I love to watch dogs run and, and do what they've got to do, you know, do what they're bred to do. And I love hunting with people. And I think the, the difference becomes for me, it became more of a pressure thing. Like I, uh, I don't want the pressure of guiding anymore, but if somebody wants to come hunting with me, I'd be more than happy to take them hunting and hunt alongside with them and have fun. So, absolutely. Yeah, how, you know, absolutely. that's kind of where I am. So, how is that guiding? So, you're probably one of the, you're probably one of the only people I know. Uh, I'm sure there's obviously others out there, but I mean, when you think of guiding, usually you think of either farms, like people are guiding on pen raised birds, or you're thinking of, waterfowl you know and 
for you to guide for probably some of the hardest quail to hunt based on previous conversations that we've had, how are you hunting all public land? Do you have like good amount of private green to take them to? How does that, how did that business kind of um, work out for you? Well, the, the one really nice thing about Arizona is there's just a ton of public land just an absolute ton. You don't have to, um, you know, kind of find, there's obviously some private ground that, that some people get tied into and things like that. But I, I, I hunted exclusively on public ground on either Arizona state trust land or um, the national forest down here through the different permits that you're required to get. And, um, you know, we just, you're out there with everybody else kind of hunting so that can kind of make it challenging too because you're you have an idea of where you want to go and you might pull up there there might be two other vehicles there so you've got to have plan a b c and d um but you know the the biggest thing for for arizona quail hunting um you know there are there are some some great guide outfits down here and that's i mean that's all they do and you know, you pay a lot of money for them and they, they put you on some good birds and they have some private ground that they can get you on if the public ground isn't performing the way that they want and um, things of that nature. But generally speaking, when you come to Arizona, at least for um, Mern's quail as well as scaled quail here in Arizona, they're kind of, they're, they're a bit of a trophy bird. And by that, I mean, you know, you might last year, you know, we had one really good day for the year and it, you know, we put up like four or five cubbies and none of the cubbies were, were huge. And it was an all day adventure. You know, we hiked 12 miles to put up four or five cubbies. And that was like one of the better days. I had a number of days where we hunted, you know, we, we put in eight to 12 miles hiking and we put up one cubby. Oh, wow. And and had one shot opportunity or maybe even not even a not even a true shot opportunity because of the the terrain we were in just didn't provide a shot opportunity so yeah so it's a little tricky and Merns by and large i mean you hear if you if you if you hear like um, arizona game and fish right now well last year and a couple years previous they would tell you that Merns are awesome and i will tell you that they're lying through their teeth to get out-of-state hunters to come and spend money here their merge quail are not awesome. They're down. They've been down for four or five years. Now, last summer, we had some really good monsoon rains, and the merge quail are, are really prolific when we have good monsoons. They, they can bounce back pretty quick. And that's what Game and Fish and, you know, some of these larger guide outfits and everything else were kind of pitching that. The problem is if you don't, you know, if you have 10 birds, you're and you get 10% recruitment next year, you have 11, right? Yeah. right? So yeah. you know, we started with, we started with next to nothing and had great monsoons and obviously it helped. And early in the season, we saw that we saw some larger cubbies than we'd seen in the years previous. But after the first couple of weeks, all those young, dumb birds were shot. And so we were kind of right back to where we were. I mean, we need to have two, three, four really good monsoons with monsoon rains being the summer rains in Southern Arizona for Merns to really bounce back and get back up to some really good numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, and when, when, when they get back up to good numbers, I, there's not a 
better bird to hunt over a pointing dog in the country, in my opinion. Why say that? They hold super tight. They well, they hold super tight for the bird for the dogs. They give you kind of like popcorn flushes, especially if you have a well-trained dog, a dog that's fully broke that won't release until you let it go. Yep. You know, you'll walk in and three or four birds will get up and you'll shoot them. And then you take another step and three or four more birds will get up and you shoot them. And then you take another step and the last five or six birds get up and you might shoot at those. Nice. That's in really, wow. really good years. In, in these last couple years, you know, they still hold really well, but you might get one opportunity um, and, and maybe that second opportunity, but that might be the only birds you see all day. And so it's just, you know, Mern's, Mern's quail can be a challenge. I mean, they're just, just because of the numbers, they're just, yeah, you know, the numbers are just not quite where we would love to see them. Last year, I only guided, I think, two people on Mern's quail because the numbers were low enough. Um, the year before, I didn't, I didn't guide a single person on Mern's quail they were so low and that you know two years ago gambles quail were they were on a, a bit of an uptick we'd had a couple of previous winter rains which just gambles and scaled quails rely on the winter rains we'd had a couple really wet winters and they the numbers were up so you know those were those were a riot to hunt gambles quail are an absolute riot to hunt because there's quite a few of them and they're 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 hell on bird dogs because they run, they don't like to hold. Oh yeah, so they're they're not they're not easy for a bird dog to handle, but they are they are a riot to hunt. And Do you know they've become my favorite? They've become my favorite bird to hunt. Yeah. Do you know why they the difference of <clears throat> why the Mern's quail relies on the monsoons during the summer months and the gambles and the scaled rely on the winter. Uh, this has to do rains. with their their breeding patterns. Okay. So it has to, has to do when they when they're mating and um, the winter rains for gambles and and scaled quail provide that green up that's necessary to get the proper nutrients so they can they can bring in a larger brood size or yeah. or have a brood at all. When is um, a when so, is a winter months in Arizona? Is it the same? So as... basically the. The rains that seem to have the greatest impact are late November through March. Okay. So, and then, you know, some follow-up spring rains help, but you know, this last year we had some good rain in December and early January, but then it's been really pretty dry since then. Had a couple of days where we had a little bit of, of rain, but not much. So by and large, it's a, it's a, it's a second dry winter. So I anticipate that gambles quail numbers will be down a little bit this next year versus last year. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's all relative. When you go out and hunt, you're still going to find birds. You might just have to hunt a little harder. Still better day than working. As many. <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen to that. That's exactly yeah. right. So, I, I see Spencer yeah. that uh, I'm guessing it's your wife that gets out and hunts with you a little bit, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get, she gets she, out and hunts uh, with me a fair bit. She a uh, better shot than you, I'm guessing? <laughs> no, not quite. But I, I think that's more because we haven't really ever had a shotgun that fit her until this last year. And this last year I bought one that's more her size. So she owns she owns a business in Mesa, Arizona, a CrossFit gym called CrossFit XA. Oh so she's nice. you know, when you're a business when you're a business owner like that, the time away is is kind of minimal. 
Well, especially yep. uh, so we didn't get to we didn't get to hunt together too much last year. I think we went twice. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially a CrossFit gym when you get paid for the classes that you hold, not the classes that you don't hold. Yeah, that's exactly you know, right. So that's that makes it tough. Yeah. Is she uh, does she yeah. compete in the? Oh, well, I guess has the she op- made it the to open the games or the, the open games. games? She hasn't. No, I mean she does the games every year, and she's always in the top ten percent or so of athletes for her age group. But she's not. Uh, she hasn't ever been able to like advance onto regionals or yeah. the open or anything like. That. So impressive. Yes. Yeah. It's, Very impressive. I, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, especially I've grown up with her. I mean, we started dating when we were 16 and got married at 19. So we took a little less conventional route. Yeah, but um, she's she's awesome. She's a (laughs) how many how many years you've been married? 29. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, we were married. We were going to we were actually supposed to do this last Tuesday. That was my 29th anniversary was last Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. I remember you saying that. And that's crazy. That's awesome. That's that's impressive. That is, that congrats impressive. on yeah. good. Congrats on that. What uh yeah, what is for the rains in Arizona be considered a monsoon? What is uh what's like the total rainfall and whatnot that you have to get? So I mean, you know, they want to see pretty good rains, you know, and I'm by no means a, a biologist or a meteorologist or anything like that, but Monsoon rains typically start, you know, in May um, and then June, July, and August. Um, you know, as far as the amount, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to guess. I just know last year was a, a above average monsoon year, and that followed four or five below average monsoon years. Yeah. And we we watched we watched the Merns quail. I remember hunting Merns quail seven eight years ago, and if you didn't basically shoot your limit or have the opportunity to at least shoot your limit which is you know it's eight birds um then it was like a weird day and then wow. every year it just kind of gradually got worse and worse and worse until uh, like i said the year the year before last i hunted Mern's a, a grand total of two days i went down on the opening weekend we have a group that i train my dogs with and we go down either the opening weekend or the second weekend and camp out and do the you know, just kind of go have some fun. And I hunted those two days and we ended up putting up like a total of four cubbies of birds between 10 really pretty good hunting dogs and six hunters over two wow. days. We're like, gee, Oof. like there's just nothing. So we all <laughs> kind of bailed on it. But, but that year, gamble quail were up. Hmm. So up around Phoenix and north of Phoenix and a little southeast of Phoenix, um, the gambles quail there were there were a lot of them they were yeah. running around so for me i was that was it was awesome because i was out every weekend chasing all those and there were I, I had a young dog at the time she was just a puppy so there was she got a a ton of bird contacts that year that you just yep. you know there's no there's no comparison for a young dog to get a, just a bunch of bird contacts they, they learn so much so quickly yes they do so yeah what, what uh, of... tell, tell us about your dogs. So you got three, I think, yeah, so unless, I, unless those pictures are I have way, way too old. Four. Four. Yeah, oh, nice. I currently have four. So I've got a German short hair uh, female, Lexi. She's 11 this year. She's my old girl, and I kind of cut my teeth with her. <laughs> um, 
she's awesome though. She's, she handles gambles quail better than any dog I've seen. It's, it's kind of freaky. I'm going to be really sad when she goes, I'm just hoping some of the other dogs pick up what she does. They haven't yet, but I'm still hopeful. Yep. And then I have a poodle, I have a poodle pointer. She'll be seven this year. She's, um, she's a really good, uh, dead bird finder. She's, she really loves to retrieve and she's, she will stay after something until she finds it. So she's, she's really good. And she's really good at honoring other dogs. She finds her fair share of birds, but um, she's not like my superstar nose dog. Um, and then I have two Brock Francais or French pointers. Um, one Jack, he's a male was a total accident um, for us to get. He's going to be five. And then um, it was a happy accident because I, I trained him and he had a really good nose and I really like that breed. The coat is good down here and they have a good heat tolerance. Um, so I, I actually researched and got a female uh, through, she's going to be two in another month or so. And that was the puppy I had a couple years ago and she got okay. a lot of really good bird contacts and she's, she's coming around. She's holding her own. I mean, she didn't do quite as well her sophomore season as I would have hoped but um, she did pretty well. And then I'm actually, I've always wanted one. So I decided to get one. I'm going to get a German wire hair pointer. It'll be here Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Where are you getting that one so, from? One, um, Ghost Point Wire Hairs. Oh, yeah. Out of Indiana. Eric it's Foster. Um, Eric yeah. Forrester. Yeah. yeah. Forrester. yeah. They sh- shipping them down to you? Yeah. Them down. We're actually bringing um, him on the podcast. There's... Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. So there's actually four dogs that are out here kind of in the West between Arizona, Utah, and Texas. And uh, yeah, he's just going to drive them out. He's going to, he's basically acting as shipper because of all of the cost that's involved. He looked at it and said, Hey, if you guys will pay me X, I'll just make a loop and drive them all out. And everybody's like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. What? So I'm excited about that. It was, it's a, it's a cool breeding, you know, he's got that Wilson dog on one side. It's his moxie dog yep. um, is the, is the, the bitch. And um, another dog out of Oregon um, that has a, a pretty prolific, fairly well-known um, German wire hair by the name of Luke. So it's hmm. kind of a, a, a double line breeding, you know, it's really heavy Luke on one side and really heavy Wilson on the other side. So nice. um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the possibilities of what that dog is going to bring. And, and like I said, I've, I've, I've always wanted one. I just always held off because of the climate where we're in. Yep. Um, this dog looks to have a pretty tight, shorter coat. I think it'll, it'll do well. And I had him behind um, Dominic's. I've, I had him behind a bunch yeah. of his Bachman Bay. Those Bachman Bay wire hairs are, his dogs are the real deal. Like they are, they are bird finding, go all day machine dogs. I can't say enough good about his dogs. And he and I had a lot of conversations and I was considering getting a dog from him. This other breeding came up and he's like, man, that's, he says, if you don't get one, I'm going to get one from that. <laughs> that speaks a lot. I said, how about, a, I said, I'm like, I'm going to get one and you, we hunt together, you know, when you're here and we're, com- we're always in conversation with one another, you know what I do and I know what you do and I'll get it and you'll know what we have. And then maybe we can look at potentially breeding it together down the road or something. Oh yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, there's, you say that and it, it's always, 
you're always excited about something like that, but I mean, it's, an eight-week-old puppy it might turn out to be nothing right yeah <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah at this point at this point you just yeah that's exactly right yeah. like, so i just i hope the instincts are there the way that i'm i'm you know reading through the, the pedigree and also just knowing you know eric eric's pretty straight he's the straight shooter i've been talking to him for quite a while and you know if you haven't seen his his youtube channel it's He's got some awesome dogs and he does some awesome yeah. hunting and stuff like that. So and that he gets he goes kinda, all over. That dude. He uh, does. He ends up in typically he's in Montana and Idaho, Idaho and Oregon for chuckers and uh, where else? Kansas. He's over in Kansas and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty much everywhere. What uh so, how many how long is your guys' season? So um, gambles and scaled quail open, generally speaking, the middle of October, typically the second weekend, second or third weekend in October. They kind of shift that around a little bit. And it runs through typically the first weekend in February. Oh, wow. And then Mern's quail, yeah, it's a long season. It's a little bit of a misnomer because, yes, it's a long season, but hunting from the middle of August, October until – the middle of november like a full month to a month and a half is Junk. you can do it you can hunt it but it's freaking hot yeah and that's how we feel here you're in basically Iowa, you know? hunting yeah we start the last and week in here, october maybe. weekend in october and we're yeah. done january 10th but like the first you yeah. know that week that last weekend in october till shit even almost the end of december is yeah. <laughs> usually hot. get like two weeks <laughs> yeah plenty hot yeah, I mean, we, I, just because we live here and I train the dogs, you know, I mean, they have to run in heat. There's no way around it. Like right now, I mean, you know, it's 105 during the day and it cools off all the way down to 85 at night, you know? So, I mean, it's, Jeez. even if I'm running them in the dark, it's still 80 some odd degrees, which is hot for a bird dog. Yeah, it is. So How's, how does that affect but they their, get, they, like their they paws? Are, are you running them? No. They're just, they no, just I'll, I'll run them. Yeah, they just, they, their paws toughen up just fine. And it's not like I'm running them down the asphalt road or yeah. things like that. You know, we're out, we're out in the desert and things like that. But I, I do notice, you know, we, after the season, I, I hunted probably as hard as I've ever hunted this last year. I, I think I put close to 70 days in the field or something like that. Oh, we go. So we, no, we, hunted a, we hunted a lot. Yeah, yeah. I need, I, and I, I like to run them in pairs. So I end up running them. I, I, I'm people who come out and want to do fair weather hunting. They should not hunt with me. That is not the kind of hunting I do. I'm, I'm kind of a hard charger. I get up and I go and we go all day and I run two dogs for an hour and a half to two hours in the morning. And I put those away and I put two more dogs down and I go do it again. And then we, we eat lunch and drive to a new location. And I put two more dogs to two dogs back down and we hunt for about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes and we make a loop away from the truck and then bring them back and then put the other two dogs down and do the same thing. And we <laughs> walk anywhere between eight and I think the most I walked last year was, or last, yeah, last season was close to 15 miles. In a, in a hunt, right? So in a hunt, well, in a day. Yes. Yeah. There in you a day. Go. Most, most of my walks. Yeah. Most, you know, early in the season, it's totally different. October, November, you know, when I, when I do go hunting, I'm hunting the first two hours of day. Um, I'm starting 20 minutes before sunrise and 
I hunt in steeper country, kind of canyon country where the shade will stay for longer. And, um, you know, I kind of do the same thing. I'll take two dogs and I put them down and I, I make a loop. I basically walk away from the truck for 30 minutes and then walk back to the truck for 30 minutes and put them away, put two other dogs down and do the same thing. And then I'm gone. That's early season hunting. And then later in the year, when I, when I have the whole day, than I do, like I said before, where you're kind of putting them down and rotating them around. And my old dog, Lexi, makes sense. Why you have so many? She still did really good this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, as a guide, I have to have the, yep. I had to have the, yeah. the power. But having done that for the last three years, you know, I really like hunting that way. I like to hunt with two two dogs down on the ground, and I like to. I don't like to hunt for only a couple hours, and it's hot enough out here that. I really don't feel comfortable, even with my dogs in super good shape. I don't feel comfortable with having them on the ground for four hours at a stint. Yeah. Whereas, who, who you know, what dogs hunting, are you running together? Who hunts with who? How do you decide that? They, I rotate them all around. Okay. So they, they all had like a pair together. that was better together, or you thought were better together. No, versa. no, I really don't. I, you know, the only two that I don't run together, that I don't like to run together very often are the two um, young dogs, the two Brock Frances, the male and the female. Um, my young dog just chases the, the male. She thinks yep. it's a game when they're out in the field. She, she hasn't, you know, it's still that puppy, that puppiness, right? Where they're yep. she's just playing chase. She's not, she's not focused on the, the job at hand so i have a tendency to not run her the so rue and jack i typically will try not to run them together that may change next year you know as she gains some yep. maturity and things of that nature but this last year early in the year i would do that and i just was starting to get so frustrated because jack would be out there hunting and he'd come running back and rue would just follow him and, she, and she, he'd go running another way and she'd just be right on his butt i was like oh my gosh go do your own thing <laughs> yeah that'd be annoying. So, <laughs> yeah so and it, you know and I, this last year i noticed lexi my old dog you know she she still did okay but yeah i could just see she's slowing down you know she's she's 10 which is kind of the tail end of the prime years for for a good pointing dog that's in good shape and yeah i still have i'm sure two maybe three years of her still hunting for me as long as she stays in good health and but you know, the, the amount of time I'll be able to have her on the ground is just going to keep decreasing every year. Yep. Hunter once for an hour a day versus, you know, twice for four hours. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's, I mean, there's like, we did, <clears throat> or I was out in South Dakota this year at a, uh, at a lodge. And I mean, there's guys, they hunt there all year during their season and, you know, they're running they have like 10 to 12 dogs, just injuries and giving them the break that they need to and whatnot. So I imagine your dogs yeah. by the end of the season, after 70 days of field are probably, they're probably ready for a break. They're yeah, they're they're We're all ready for a break. We basically take a couple months off where we really don't do much of anything. We just kind of lounge around the house. And, yeah. You know, don't, don't do a whole heck of a lot. And then we, we start training again. The only problem is they're, they're, paws have gone soft by then and if i take them out on any sort of long run i get blown out pads yep you know yep. just just dog stuff yeah all good do you uh during summer months is your training basically just letting them letting them run or are you still 
getting them on birds. I know like here in Iowa, you can't run on public lands between X dates just because it's nesting season. Right. Is that the same out in Yeah, Arizona? I don't, um, you know, I don't know that there's actually a law against it. It's kind of an unwritten rule. I mean, most, most sportsmen yeah. won't run their, their dogs on wild birds once we start to hit into nesting season. Um, I don't, I generally speaking after the season, I don't, I very rarely, well, when we go on just kind of our fun runs, just to kind of blow off some steams or something, we're running on state trust land and there's birds on state trust land. I run on some state trust lands fairly close to my house and there are a few quail out there, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll find those, but as far as mostly I'm just trying to keep them a little bit in shape so they don't just turn into fat turds in the summer. Yep. Yep. And uh, I do have a I do have a group of guys that I train with. Um, Excuse me. There's, uh, you know, we just one of the one of the guys in our group. He actually has quail that he raises. He's got a little flight pen, and oh, nice. So we all chip in some money, some money to him to use those. And then another guy has um, a pigeon coop, so we'll chip in money to buy some pigeons, and and then we we they all train. They live about an hour from me. Um, and you know, they train pretty much every Sunday and I might get up there once a month Yeah. to just kind of make sure the dogs remember what they're doing. And then there's a, there's a group in, um, Arizona called the Arizona pointing dog club, which is just a member run of fun hunt trial series. They put on one trial a month, but it's not nationally recognized. There's no it's not like you can put a title on your dog or anything like that. It is just purely for training and fun and That's good to just put a little all that though. And so. I mean, you get to, you get to learn a lot in those little groups. Um, yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's a lot of, it's, it's just fun. I mean, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that we get out of it, that little training group, and then a bunch of the guys that are actually in the club, you know, you get to see them once a month, we go up and we camp in the, we camp up in the mountains around Flagstaff area. Nice. So you're up where it's cooler. You get to run your dogs and have a little competition. There's it's the camaraderie is awesome. You know, when, when there's not fire restrictions, you know, we're around the campfires and when there is fire restrictions, we're around the lantern, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, we just kind of, we have fun and there's, you know, every Saturday night after the trial, there's a big potluck dinner. Everybody pulls stuff together and, you know, it's just, it's fun. It's just a great time. excuse to get out of the heat. Yeah. And, and go do something with your dogs and, so, you know, I, I do some of that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know that I'll do much else. I do some NAVDA testing. I'm not sure you're familiar with that. Yep. The North American yep. uh, Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Um, I do a little bit of, of testing and training with those guys, primarily just the NA test. I just want to see what I've got when the dog's young. And I don't, I'm one of those, there's people that are part of that club. Like, you got to train to the NA, you got to train to the NA. I'm like, it's, natural ability like i i'm, I'm going to do my loose training but i'm not going to specifically train to this i just i want to see what the natural ability of the dog is at a really young age yeah, um, if you score 112 you, know, you I, score 112 yeah if i score 96 i score 96 <laughs> like i just i and I, mostly what i want to see is when though, that, right? yeah on the na is 112 yeah what i really want to see is ideally you know when that dog's somewhere between and this is me this is my own personal little philosophy you know when that dog's between say five and nine months i want to know what it's going to do 
Yeah. So my 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 Rue dog, my my little Brock Francais, I ran her her first test. I ran. She was nine months, and she did not prize because she wouldn't swim. Entirely my fault. I could have got her to swim. Just it was hot in this. You know, I just finished the season. I took a couple months off. I like. I just. You know, that's something for that particular breed, which isn't known as a swimming dog. Yep. Mm-hmm. I should have put some time and effort into. So I put some time and effort into just that over the next three or four months. I tested her again when she was like 16 months and she got a perfect score. Nice. And it, it, But to me, that was, that's okay because what I was really looking for in that first NA test was how did she score on everything else? And she basically for all intents and purposes aced everything else like the the field search and the pointing and all that sort of stuff she got she didn't prize because she didn't swim and then she got docked down based on cooperation which had to do with she didn't swim she didn't do she wasn't cooperative to do what you wanted her to do yeah and that's how they kind of judge that so i'm like ah, that's fine the tracking she aced the field work she aced and she is a quail hunting dog the chances of her having to go in the lake or river or someplace like that to retrieve something are next to nothing. Yeah. yeah if it starts so I wasn't you're gonna need Noah's Ark to come but Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I might I took I took her duck hunting one time this year, you know, it was like we didn't even shoot a duck. So but she had to cross the river with me and stuff like that and she was fine. So Yeah. But I at the time I knew I had a good pointing dog. Right? Not a good versatile dog, but a good pointing dog. And that yep. test, I think, you know, you can kind of see some of those types of things. So, so I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see how the new puppy that comes in, you know, I'll be able to test her, I think. Sounds like three October. months. This, that dog will be ready to go. Yeah, it, it, the, it'll be, you know, that dog will be six months or so. And I'll, I'll, I'll do a better job of making sure to introduce her to water and get her swimming and, and she'll have plenty of bird contact between now and then. So, you know, I, I, I have high hopes, but I'll, I'll have a better idea of what I have yes. at that time. We have a, we had a buddy who just uh, did his first nav to, um, test. He had a 112. He has a, a setter, a red setter. Irish oh, nice. setter. Irish. Oh, Irish, Irish, Irish setter. Yeah, the Irish Irish setter. Yeah, don't, don't be calling it a red setter. It's an Irish <laughs> He'll let us know, trust him. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll he'll listen to this and be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, hey, what what the hell are you calling my dog a red setter for? <laughs> Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet your maker has you covered. Mead makes professional grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Mead only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Mead also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry. And Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code Waypoint for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. Uh, that's funny. Speaking of dogs, the the fires, have you seen all the fires out in New Mexico? You are saying the burn ban earlier? All those acres? You know, I have, but there's a major, there was, I'm not even sure, I haven't checked the containment, but there was a major fire down in Mernsville country that burned out a couple of the spots where we typically will hunt. In New Mexico? Um, no, in Arizona. In Arizona? In oh, really? Arizona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That- so I haven't, I, unfortunately, I'm one of those 
I'm one of those people that my job kind of requires some focus during the day and I just kind of put my head down. I don't catch up on like, yeah. current or even local events very often. I'm not a real news heavy guy. I just, I saw, well, he's Quail Hawk, Tyler Slayton on Instagram. Oh, yeah. That name, and he just posted something about yep. it. And they, yeah, I, I could have swore he said that they had like 3 million acres that is closed off to public right Jeez. now because of the, I don't know how many acres. Because of the fire danger. Yeah. How many acres have they did that burnt, but they did that in, they did that in Arizona. I can't remember if it was, I think it was the year before last. They yeah. closed a couple of the national forests to any, there was no trespassing in the trust in the national forest. You couldn't drive the dirt roads. You couldn't go camping. You couldn't do anything. Cause it was so dry. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cause it was so dry. And I, I kind of, unless we start getting some earlier monsoon rains here in the next month or so, I think that's probably going to happen again. And that's crazy that so, just driving your vehicle could start uh-huh. a fire. Right. Yep. <laughs> And that's, yeah, there was that's a fire out in, yeah, there's, there was a fire here three years ago, four years ago that burned up like almost an entire mountain range. And it was started by a, a car that had pulled off into the weeds by the side of the road. Jeez, the muffler is too hot and starts yeah. on fire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just started some of that dry grass on fire and it just, there were some winds and it was gone before anybody could get there to stop it. Jeez. Nick, Nick, do you remember that when we went out to South Dakota, what, two or three years ago when we pulled in that one field when I, I still had the Ram and we had the enclosed trailer? We pulled in the field on the Iowa side into a switchgrass. Yep. And you could smell the grass burning underneath the truck, but it wasn't oh, yeah. dry. Wasn't well, dry enough to like yep. start it. But I, I was like, that. I don't know if we should park kind here. Of smoldering. I was, yeah, I was pretty, kind of nervous because, you know, it's, it was, yeah. we were in a drought at that time. And it's like, oh, f- yeah. of course, my new truck would <laughs> go up in flames as we're so, out hunting. What do you guys primarily hunt? Uh, so in Iowa, it's pheasant uh, is primarily what we go after. We're starting to see some Hungarian partridge okay. here. Uh, so try to get some of that. And then quail, we do see sparingly. Last year, I didn't see any. Um, but years before, I've seen at least one or two coveys um, yeah. a couple times a year. So that's primarily gotcha. pheasant is what we're at out here. Yeah. If you're doing upland, and then obviously we have certain parts of the state, if you're a duck hunter, are, are pretty good for uh, in Iowa as well. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. started traveling a lot more now for hunts just because he said that, you know, Iowa is pretty, <clears throat> pretty heavy on just – pheasant we you know you got to go out of out of state to really get other species you know and the good thing is is yeah we have kansas and nebraska they aren't far away uh, and then you got the dakotas you know you're talking to, to get way out to the dakotas you know from where we're at about 10 to 12 hours um oh that's but, not too bad no but it's worth it if you're getting that's- into different species of birds you know yeah, yeah. I have a friend of mine that lives in the Panhandle of Texas, Dalhart, okay. Texas. I've, I've gone over there to hunt pheasant and quail with him a few times. That's about ten hours for me, and that's yeah. But I, I'm, I'm probably like you guys, like ten hours to go hunting. Oh yeah, 
let's yeah. just go. We'll get up yeah. early in the morning. We'll hunt that afternoon. We'll hunt the next two days and drive home. So that's what <laughs> that's, that's what we start that's, doing. That's yeah. our trips. We're doing like three day trips each time we go. We'll hunt three days. Yep. And yeah. Come home. Do you like a long weekend? You might you take off. If you have to, like, I typically what I'll try to do is take off on Thursday, like at lunch or something, and get in to wherever I'm going late that night and then hunt Friday, Saturday. And then maybe if I have time, wake up and hunt part of the day Sunday morning and then drive home. Yep. Yep. That's exactly so what we just plan try to do. maximize your time. Yeah. Otherwise, you use my, too um, many vacation days. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. My yeah, oldest we're... boy, he lives up in, in um, Idaho. And last nice. year, I, I drove up there. I did that trip. I drove up. It's, it's, so where he lives for me is like 14 hours. So I took one day, drove up, and then we hunted sharp tail grouse and rough grouse and sage grouse um, for two days. And then I drove home. By the time I got home, though, man, I was beat. Oh, I oh, bet. Holy cow, that was, that, was, that was just one of those really long trips. It was worth every, every bit of exhaustion I felt. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was a grind. <laughs> yeah, the Idaho, Wyoming, Montana area, that's... That seems to be a a fun spot for different species of birds and to get on in, in like just yeah, all the different terrain I, and whatnot. You know, gas prices so. keep it's, going it's up. Certainly, we, it's easily sure. Go ahead. Sorry. I was getting, no, you were saying gas prices. Was, go ahead. <laughs> you know, no, I said if gas prices keep going up, we won't be going anywhere to hunt. We'll just be buying birds to yeah. have our dogs out the back door. <laughs> That's like, Jesus. There's a lot of truth to that. I had, I have, I have been planning this year. So at the end of my season in early February, I'm like, I've been wanting to go to like North Dakota or Montana or one of those places um, for the early season for, you know, early to, to hunt sharp tails and huns and stuff. And that typically opens the first of September up in that, that area. And I, I told my wife, I was like, come hell or high water, I'm saving money and I'm going to go do that. And then, freaking energy prices have gone through the roof what are gas prices i can go up there Uh, i drive a diesel and it's 560 a gallon for diesel (laughs) do you you drive 2500 or yeah i've got a a gmc man what are you getting like miles per gallon with that thing 13 Mm, 14 the way that i have it the way that i have it set up 17 Man, that's still crazy oh. for five. How much did you say? Five sixty a gallon. Five, yeah, five. I drove. I uh, five. Well, I, yeah, five fifty. Five forty nine. Five fifty nine. Jesus, where most of them are right now. Yeah. That's so crazy. I, Doesn't sound like it's going to get better. No, I think it's only going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, there's I agree. some diesel shortages, and everything in the country runs on diesel. Yeah farmers so the only the only good thing i guess i have about food shortages too i work from home so i don't have to drive anywhere yeah food food shortages are going to come in people run on food so we're all gonna die yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's why why we have guns and bows we'll have to go get our own food (laughs) yeah the hunters will survive and all the people that hate hunters they'll be dead darwin is at (laughs) its best right there yeah that's right (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, crazy I, out there. It's yeah, it's, it's not it's not friendly, that's for sure. But it's, you know, it's obviously going to limit all the, the trips I had planned this year. Yeah. By the time I would be doing that, after the summer increase in energy prices, I, I, I would not be surprised that 
diesel would be around six or six plus per gallon. It is. It's just crazy. When... You know, it would cost me cost me five thousand dollars in fuel costs to go up to montana and back <laughs> yeah it's just crazy to think you know you i used to you go a weekend you know a saturday sunday you'd hunt and you'd you know use a tank to tank and a half and it's like ah oh, 50 bucks you know it's it's like that's not bad now it's right. fucking one tank is 100 bucks like, yeah, yeah, I'm like 150 to 170 for a tank. So <laughs> you have to. It's not funny. Do, yeah, do they have a? Yeah, don't they have right? a limit where you can only? Laughing. Yeah. <laughs> don't they have a limit where you can only put in like 100 dollars or 125 dollars a time at a pump? Well, yeah, and then you put the pump back and you pull your card <laughs> back out, and stick your card back in there again, right? Oh. Man, doing. that is nuts. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, not ideal. I don't like it. No, not ideal. No, no. Yeah. How many, not, uh... well, you know, and I, and not to get into a whole, you know, not to bring politics or anything else into it, but it's not ideal when it could be fixed when it, when it was fixed and then yep. it got broke. Yeah. Yeah. Don't right? fix something. Just, try to fix something that's not broken. Like fucking world's broken. Like, right holy now. crap. Like <laughs> I just, there, there has to be some sort of common sense at some point, and right now there isn't any. No, let's put kitty litters so, in fucking school for Christ's sake. What the come on, folks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I did a, I did a stint in the Marine Corps. I was in the Marine Corps Reserves, so you know that whole thing that they did in Afghanistan and everything else. I'm like, holy crap! You could have taken the dumbest guy in my platoon, and he could have given you a better action plan to get out of there. <laughs> like. I mean, like, what the hell? No shit. So, again, I just, just some of those things you scratch your head and go, what the, what yep. the hell are they thinking? Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I, I've always been a, a I've never, I, I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not a registered Democrat. I'm a, I'm a registered independent. Like, I yep. always, I was, I'm a met, I, I like to think of myself as a make sense guy. Does this make sense? Is what they're pitching, does it make sense? Agreed. Agreed. And if it does, then I'm behind you, right? Yep. And yep. right now, what they're pitching doesn't make any freaking sense. No, <laughs> not for the American, not for, not for the American, not yeah. for the average American. Like, yeah, I mean, just like, holy crap! What it they just doesn't make sense. Like, shortage on baby formula. So then they, I just saw that they shipped, I don't know, ton of it down to the borders because uh, uh, yeah, people crossing the border didn't have any baby across food. The border. What? Yeah, don't even <laughs> get me started on. <laughs> don't, don't even get me started on the border issues. I live in a border state. Oh, there was an man. area. There was an area that we hunt Mern's quail in last year, that we were we were advised by Forest Service officials and Border Patrol do not go in there to hunt because there is a there is a two cartel turf war for that piece of ground on American soil. What? And if you're in there, if you're deep in there. You could run across a band of those guys that are doing it, and they will just take everything you've got and leave you dead. I'm like, all right, well, we're not hunting there. Yeah. You know? Jesus. Jesus. Because some of those areas are super remote, and we hunt, you know, I, if you go back and look at, uh, like you said, hunt birds, Edgar Garcia, yeah. or, uh, Castillo, rather. If you look at his his Instagram, you'll see the pictures we took right on the border fence. Well, yeah, and he's, we're leading he's carrying on, on it. He, he's carrying during it. You know, has a, yeah. not just a shotgun, has a sidearm, oh, yeah. you know? No, we all were. I mean, yeah. we, all, we all had our shotgun and we all had a backup weapon. There, yeah. were, there were four of us, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you guys I mean, went... It's, just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. 
you know, with your guys' background, at least that, you'd have that a area chance. where we were is, is really safe. Yeah, the area where we were is really safe. We really don't ever hear much of because it's really wide open. So, oh, there's so they a few, can see a long few ways. canyons, but they're not yeah. super steep. Yeah, and there's there's a there's a border border patrol blimp that's over the mountain that's looking at everything. And I mean that that area is is not a high traffic area. The other area that I that I described is high traffic because the canyons and stuff over there are just steep and nasty. Yep. They have natural hiding so, spots. You know, yeah. they can get in there. Yeah, there's been a couple of times where I've gotten deeper into some of those canyons that I than I anticipated because my freaking dogs went up there and went on point. <laughs> um, and I got up in there and I, I remember walking around the bend in one place and there were, uh, what, there weren't people, but there was just a ton of, uh, of dropped paraphernalia, like a bunch of dropped water. Oh, and wow. Newer backpacks and newer blanket. Like, like my dogs come running around the corner and they probably saw my dogs and they'd all, they're all up on the mountain looking at me, right? They're just tucked yeah. back in the trees. Yep. I, I remember walking around the corner and seeing that and just stopping and going, yeah, we don't need to go up there anymore. <laughs> yep. We well, the walked back out. Well, it was great because we walked back the other way and started climbing a hill and Jack went on point and I shot two merns right there, right inside of what they had. And, they knew I had a gun, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But it was just, you know, oh, that's just, crazy. That sort of stuff is what you expect when you're down on the border. You just have to be you just have to be mindful of it. It's not anything that you need to be afraid of, um, except for over in that area, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that situation's changed. I'll have to reach out to my Border Patrol buddy. But, Man, that's, but yeah, it was that's crazy. It was one of those places where I was early in the season, I'm like, okay, I, I want to go into that area. I want to go into that area. And I'd heard all the stuff down on the border. And I'm, so I called my buddy. I'm like, hey, what's going on down there at the border? Is it really as bad as he says? And he goes, it's worse. Because <laughs> if you're planning on going in this area to hunt, just don't do it this year. I just can't. We just, I just can't guarantee your safety over there. That is crazy. Like, all right, about... that's all I need to know. I don't, yeah. I, it's a freaking little bird. I'm not going to risk my life for a little bird, right? It's yeah. Little... It's crazy to just think that's around. on American soil, like that it's that dangerous. Yeah. Well, they just, they were you know. flat overwhelmed. They just didn't, you know, with the wide open border and with the policies that were in place to basically say, hey, come and go as you please. And then being short staffed, you know, yep. they're just flat overwhelmed. And huh. staffing isn't getting any better either. It's just getting worse. No. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh. All right. How close are you uh, to the border, like where you live? I I live just outside of Phoenix. So oh, okay. I'm kind of east of, of Phoenix. So I'm I'm if I do take a straight shot south, I'm three hours from. Oh, okay. Nice. So I'm I you know we're we're really insulated up here based on that. So yeah yeah. Um, but you know it's just. That's why I have buddies that are that are down there. You know, they live in southern Arizona and they have a better feel for what's going on down along the borders. Yeah, for sure. There's still that's... plenty of places to hunt Merns quail that's not right on the border. Yeah. Yep. There's just there seems to be a this last year there was a bit higher density of birds closer to the border. And even that was spotty. Like there were certain canyons that held more birds than other you know, the next canyon over. So Do uh and go ahead no i was go oh, ahead um do these different do the merns squaled and <laughs> scaled geez squaled and the gambles do they all live in different terrains i know you said i know you only hunted merns twice last year are they 
in that. Well, last year I hunted quite a bit. The year before I hunted twice. Last year I hunted, we hunted Merns, oh, a half dozen times, but we we didn't have any, what I would call banner days hunting Merns. They were yeah. just, they were, every day we hunted them was a chore. We always found birds, but it was a chore. Yep. So yeah. it was, it was, in my opinion, that's why earlier I was saying it's kind of a trophy hunt. It was like you, you're spending a lot of energy to get one or two opportunities at, at some birds. Yeah. No, I didn't know. So it, to... it was a little bit like that, but they do. They live in, in, in really different country. Merns nice. quail live in country that doesn't look like it belongs in the United States. Huh. And got Interesting. These, these really pretty green oak trees and this tall golden grass you know that's knee knee to thigh high and it looks like the plains of africa or something it's really <laughs> it's really 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 pretty country it's really cool just just going and and seeing that country is is an experience in and itself and then when you're hiking in it and having birds flush out of it and stuff it's 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 special it really is it's a it's a really cool cool hunt oh yeah scale yeah, quail kind of scale quail live more in grasslands um and they're still kind of the south southeastern part of the state is kind of the the, the area where you're going to find scaled quail scaled quail and gambles quail will overlap quite a bit there are only a few places in the state where all three will kind of overlap and that's kind of the the holy grail of of the of the you know the quail slam in arizona is going on one walk and shooting one one of each species there's only nice. a there's only a few places and, and you'll hear you'll see a few people that do it every year and you'll net you know they they'll take that information to their grave right they've got yeah. their one or two little <laughs> spots where they could potentially do that and they keep those and and the people that find those by and large are the people that live in southern arizona and they're down there and they live in the terrain and they you know, they go to work and then they have an hour after work where they can go run their dog real quick and they go, I'm going to go try that spot. Yeah. And hike it for an hour and they're like, holy crap, there's this bird. There's this bird. There's this bird. Right. That'd be, Whereas, that'd be nice. You know, someone like, someone like me, that's three hours from there. I, I'll go down and camp for the weekend, but even on a weekend, it's like I'll hunt six different spots or eight different spots, but there's only so much ground you can cover. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, for sure. so it's, it's a little tricky. Gambles quail are, are, they're all over as far as, as far as uh, habitat. Yeah. They, they range as far north as um, kind of Sedona and Pres and Prescott areas. And, um, you know, just below the, just below the transition where you start to get up into Flagstaff and that area. So they're, They'll live at higher elevations, and they'll and then they're all the way down to the border in certain areas. So they're my favorite looking kind quail. of all over. They're it's, they're cool. They're yeah. really cool looking, and and I I like I said they've become my favorite of the quail to hunt. They're my favorite. I think yeah. scaled quail are the most challenge. They're the most challenging. Scaled quail are the most challenging. Number one, you got to find them, which isn't always easy. Um, and then they like to run, and they're in the they're they're murder on a bird dog. They just run and run and run. It was, I, um, I need to, I've got a, a little bit of leftover video footage from last year that I need to put together, um, and post on my, my goofy little YouTube channel. 
but um, it's when I went hunting with Dominic and two of his wire hairs tracked for probably, I don't know, three or 400 yards. They tracked a covey of scaled quail. Um, just kind of, you could see, you could, and I've got it from a distance because I'm kind of off to the side of ways and you can see the dogs going back and forth, back and forth, and then pointing for a second and then relocating and then back and <laughs> forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they're just going like crazy and, That'd be uh, fun to watch. You know, eventually, would be. eventually there was, there was a hill coming up in front of me and just because I've hunted the quail for so long, based on the terrain, I'm like, those birds are going to run up that hill. And so they're, they're down doing their thing. And I took Rue and we ran, we didn't run, but we picked up our pace to get up on that hill. And sure enough, Rue, Rue locked on point and the, the whole covey busted out right in front of me. Nice. <laughs> That's they, awesome. just ran, cool. they just came up that hill. They were trying to get to the high ground so they could yeah. figure out where they were, where they were going to flush from. It was, it was, it was just a really neat sequence. And then, but his dogs, like I have good dogs, but my dogs don't track where his dogs track. Those, yeah. his, his wire hairs. When I said earlier, they're the real deal. They are the real deal. So, you know, if any of your listeners happen to be looking for a wire hair pointer, I couldn't recommend um, Dominic's dogs any higher than anybody else's nice that's a that's a high praise it is yeah i mean he's he just he does he does it the right way and he's you know having spent a couple of weekends with him this year where we, where we were just hunting together we we went down and spent the weekend together you know exploring totally new areas just having some fun with his dog and my dogs and just getting to really understand his his process and how much care and emphasis he puts into breeding and how much he knows about dogs. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. He's, he's been around it forever. And just, he's been around it forever, but that's the, on top of all, on top of all, he's just a super good dude. Like yep. he is, he's very nice. he is as honest and square and straight shooter as you're going to find in the game. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, I say that about a lot of people that, but I've been fortunate enough in this community to meet a lot of really good people in this community. I mean, Edgar's, Edgar's another one. He's just, yeah. he's as fun and honest as they come and cares about people. And, you know, he writes some good stuff. And That he does, that he so does. It's, it's been good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, well, Spencer. I'm looking forward to you guys coming out here to Arizona yeah. so we can Let's take do it. Hey, I tell I you what, I don't, I don't yeah, think I my dogs would do too hot. It's, it's 75 yeah. degrees here and straight sunny. And we ran them tonight and they were. That's why I. <laughs> they're dead they're dying yeah. <laughs> well I, I, uh, that's why i have my dog yeah you guys just need to get down here. Home we'll just down use there. my dog that's right did they really work uh in phoenix somewhere i haven't been there yet in phoenix area uh, they literally just oh, nice. got it well um, now you now you even have a place to stay i know so that's i have right. no excuses you just got to plan it so plan a trip down here in like december or january and we'll, that we'll should be too hard. A couple days and we'll, find we'll just do there. Christmas down yeah. there and I'll stay longer. <laughs> there, you, there you go. It's not yeah. a bad place to be Christmas time either. And no. Nick will have his poodle pointer. I'm getting so a poodle pointer can... this fall. Are you? Where are you getting pointers? that at? Uh, Wisconsin. So Jeff House, um, Sudden Valley Kennels. Okay. Yeah. So okay. awesome. if I, I actually know a guy who got his dog from him and it was a poodle okay. pointer we were hunted over and yeah. Just, uh, I was really impressed. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, I wow. love them. I, yeah. I, I absolutely love them. They're an awesome breed. I mean, Paisley, my dog, she's, she's got more prey drive and she's, 
she's my softest dog, meaning she'll just lay on your lap and, you know, in the house, she's just a marshmallow. Um, yep. You get her in the field and that, that switch comes on and, and where her switch really comes on is if you, if she starts to make game, like she gets so wound up that she can't hold herself back. She starts yipping and chasing and <laughs> she's a, she's a terrible, a terribly wonderful duck dog in that yeah. she's so excited. She knows what's going on. So she's constantly kind of, she's a, unfortunately she's a loud dog, but I've never trained her to be a duck dog. So she'll kind of whine a little bit we get her calmed down but when a duck comes in and we shoot it she's that dog that is barking screaming barking as she's swimming across the lake to get it <laughs> it's, it's actually really i think it's i think it's funny it's like really endearing you know she, yeah. the, the duck goes down and she's swimming and while she's swimming she's just <laughs> yeah no I, I i'm excited about it um you know it's one of those things where uh, i've been a lab guy my whole life my wife kind of talked me into trying something new and we hunted with this dog and she likes the fact that it doesn't really it sheds but not like a lab sheds um, yeah. it does you know. not shed like a lab yeah, yeah. I, I i've had both and yeah I mean, paisley sheds a little bit but out of out of all my dogs the dog that sheds the most is my my short hair yeah my short hair she's white and there's little white hairs everywhere like i have three other dogs um, obviously the poodle pointer is just brown. She's a, she's a slick coated poodle pointer. So she looks like a, just like a brown, uh, yep. short hair. Yep. doesn't have any furnishings or anything. And then the French pointers, they basically have like no undercoat. They basically just have one coat of, of fur. So really thin coated. Um, but my white short hair sheds double what all three of the others shed together interesting wow so it's it's crazy. every time we yeah, vacuum I mean, it's like uh it, it could be <laughs> every couple of days we get a rain <laughs> my wife's like i could really do without yeah. all this i'm like yeah i know and i love yeah, labs i do you'll be i love them you'll but be pleasantly the, surprised yeah i mean i know there's gonna be still your wife's hair, gonna but, love it uh yeah we, she's gonna love that not um not anywhere near like a lab though not anywhere near and yeah. and from what I've been told, I guess, more than anything else is, you know, I have that slick coated poodle pointer and yep. they shed the most. Like if you have one that has a little bit of hair and a little bit of yep. furnishings, they shed yep. less. <laughs> and yeah. I'm serious. This, this one is being a slick one. She, she still sheds, but it, it almost, I don't, I don't notice it unless I'm wearing something white and she lays on me. Yep. That's but, nice. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Up. Somehow, you know, you can have clean dishes up in the up in the cabinet, and you get it out, and you got fucking people here on them. I'm like, how the hell? How the hell did your hair get up here? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So no, I hear you. I hear you. That is funny. Oh. Well, Spencer, we appreciate coming on the yes, podcast. It was so a much. lot of fun. Learned yeah. a lot. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, it was really, nice. Nice meeting really you. Been a lot of fun and appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, you stay safe if you go three hours yes. south. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. we definitely want to make it out there sometime. So we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. Well, and, yeah. Um, I'll yeah, send it. Sure. We'll, just, just let me know. Yeah, I'll send you my number or something on Instagram so we can stay in contact. But okay. awesome. Well, we appreciate it. 
Yes, thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks, you Have guys. Have a good night. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye.